my jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a frog team, new life in the tractors. Soon sipping that moonshine and a plaster. Everyone, video. Video, welcome to the Moolarius Cup. I'm super What's excited up? about this. <laughs> welcome to the first uh, video interview ever for the Moolarius Club. Welcome to history. Yeah. Welcome to the Boston Public Library basement. So we're chilling here in the Innovation Lab. Uh, it's actually really cool. If you live anywhere near the city of Boston and you need to do any kind of like creative work, come down to the Innovation Lab here. Uh, bottom floor of the Boston Library, you can just sign up. You've seen a library card. Mine actually expired, but he still let me uh, book equipment. Uh, and then you can just book time for free. It's like three hours max. So I decided to do that here. I wanted to get the visual, want people to see faces with the stories here. And uh, we have a special guest. You know, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. Like uh, some of my guests have actual intros that they like to mm -hmm. do based on the profession. But so I'll just let you go in and I'll be quiet. All right. I'm, uh, my name's Jeff, but I go by DJ Jaywall. I'm a working DJ here in Boston. I actually live in Somerville. Um, and uh, actually doing it full time, uh, but also do some um, side hustles as well too. Uh, you know, work as a brand ambassador for a rum company, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna talk about how uh, I made the transition to full time DJing about three years ago. So I'm looking nice. forward to it. What's the name of the rum, uh, rum company? Uh, it's Stolen, actually. Hat right here. So um, it's uh, Stolen Rum and Whiskey. They're based out of Chicago. Uh, about a year ago, I picked up a, a gig uh, working with them uh, because I came from the bar industry originally. Uh, that's why the transitioning to DJing wasn't too bad because I was already used to late nights and weekends. Uh, my wife also works in a bar too. So uh, I kind of always wanted to get back into the liquor industry, but not be like behind the bar, having to like bring mats down and like clean a bar at like 4 a.m. Uh, so this worked out kind of perfect. So I can sponsor my own gigs too sometimes. Nice. Were you, uh, did you do everything in the bar? Were you like a bar bag? Were you uh, uh, Yeah. Were so you, uh, um, I worked at a, a small pub in Somerville. Uh, a big draw for me working there was that they um, booked live music six nights a week. Yeah. And I, just have been all about music my entire life. Uh, it's funny that I've landed on being a DJ because I kind of came up listening to classic rock and a lot of things that aren't necessarily like DJ music. But then as I got more immersed into being a DJ, I'm like, wow, I can show like you know my personality by mixing classic rock, hip hop, disco, whatever you know, other fun things like that are. So uh, back to the bar though, I was bar manager there, so I booked uh, bands, I did all the liquor ordering and. Uh, you know, staff bartenders. It's a pretty small operation, but uh, it was a lot of fun uh, for a while. And then eventually was DJing on my off nights from the bar and basically kind of did that sort of like cost benefit analysis or a balance where I was like, wow, okay, uh, I can replace this shift with the DJ gig and that shift with the DJ gig. And then eventually I'm like, ah, I could just do this full time. So that's a simplified answer. A lot more goes into it, but. Nice. So when it comes to DJing, how long were you actually? Like, I feel like everyone has, not everyone, right? A lot of people have a, a love of music mm -hmm. and want to do something within the realms of music. So I feel like rapping's a little easier or singing because you can rap or sing wherever, right? You can yeah, walk yeah. the street, you can kick rounds with your boys. When it comes to DJing, at what point, what was that first purchase where you like, this is, this is it? Like, I'm going to actually try to practice this. Okay, I'd say, you know, it's funny. I, I would say I've been a DJ five to six years, and that's right around the time I bought my first set of uh, techniques, uh, 1200 turntables and uh, I think that that you know before that I was dabbling on like controllers laptop things like that I was getting hired for gigs that I probably shouldn't have gotten but um, we'll get into that later but <laughs> it was when I actually got that first set of turntables uh, that I really think you know I kind of was like all right here's my DJ name I'm spinning on turntables 
uh, that that's got to be it. And um, a lot of people have different stories about that, but I bet if you ask a lot of DJs, that that's going to be it when they got the first set of decks. So How long did it take you to come up with J-Wall? Uh, it's funny. Uh, there's a bartender, a couple bartenders in Somerville that were calling me that. So my name's Jeff Wallace. Uh, growing up, I was called Wally on sports teams and stuff, and I thought, like, you know, can't do Wally in Boston. <laughs> that's sort of, you know... Red Sox mascot. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. kind of childish. <laughs> you know, uh, so it took a while to settle on stuff. I was like DJ Jeff W for a while, I think, on a flyer. It was like, I don't know. And then eventually I just started to get more gigs and I had to come up with something. So there was a bartender uh, in Somerville, uh, Spencer Davies. Uh, what up, Spence? Yeah, what up, man? I got to give him the credit. He said that if I ever make a bigger, get him royalties. But uh, he just always called me J-Wall. You know, so uh, it just seemed like the natural sort of progression to be called nice. J Wall. Deciding it's like J hyphen Wall, uh, maybe it's J, you know, period Wall, or I don't know. I could get creative with the branding, but uh, you know, right now it's a J Wall's kind of the adult, you know, sort of nickname that I've had, and uh, I guess I'm good with that for a little while. So. So you said you were DJing on your off nights. Mm-hmm. Did you have an actual first, like I had a first podcast episode, right? I had a yeah. regular set, tabletop mic and I like kind of prepped for it and went in. When you got ready to DJ, did you have like first set, you're like, let me get the thing out? Or oh my did God. you kind of casually ease your way in by just yeah. doing a little bit here and there? Completely by accident. So um, I was a bartender at Wellesley Country Club back you know, a long time ago. And a good secret for anyone younger is if you want to get a bartending gig and you're not 21, country clubs will hire you. Great place to get experience and whatnot. So I bartended there through country, uh, through college. Uh, and they knew that I was into music. Uh, I had a music blog I was working on at the time and whatnot. And I guess like a band might have called out or something for a special event, like a dinner dance or something. And they said, hey, you know music, you could DJ, right? And I figured, I'm like, how hard could that be? So I borrowed my buddy's band's sound system, grabbed just my laptop, downloaded like virtual DJ. It's probably about 10 years ago. And uh, I got my ass kicked. It was the <laughs> hardest thing I've ever done. I have never been more demoralized. Like there was one lady who just chewed me out so hard because I'm like thinking country club. All right, cool. I'll play old music, you know, whatnot. Earth, Wind & Fire, Jackson 5. Right. You know, cheesy, che- <laughs> cheesy disco. And all these like country club ladies wanted to hear, I guess this would have been what, late 2000s? Like they just wanted to hear like the new stuff. And I, I didn't know the new stuff because I wasn't really hip to that at the time. And it <laughs> Literally, I'm sitting there like, like I got like a laptop with the virtual DJ software with the music that I had downloaded that I thought, okay, I can kind of, you know, half-ass mix because I didn't really know how to mix yet. And then I had Spotify or whatever in the background, and I think I had an iPod hooked into the mixer too, and all this other stuff. My phone hooked up, and I was trying to mix between all those things. Total train wreck. I think every time I got on the mic in between songs, I'm like, all right, here's another one. <laughs> like, I was, just, like, I was just, just getting through it. And um, I did a few of those early and then realized, like, if I'm ever going to do this again, I need to actually learn how to do it. And so um, at that point, I didn't really have any, like, role models or anyone who was DJing. I just kind of looked at what was going on. And so it was this, like, late 2000s. So you had, like... The start of the EDM, which I didn't really identify with, but also like then other people like D- DJ Shadow and, and stuff like that that were legendary OG DJs, uh, Z Trip and whatnot. And I just kind of would watch what they were doing and then get completely discouraged, being like, I can never touch that. Are you kidding me? Jazzy Jeff's another one. Uh, but what I liked about, you know, especially like someone like Z Trip or Jazzy Jeff was that they were mixing 
every genre, you know. Yeah. Uh, Z Trip's one person. You could mix the Pixies into Nine Inch Nails into 50 Cent, you know, and, and whatnot. So uh, I was really drawn to that about 10 years ago, but just didn't really have an outlet to explore it. I, uh, you know, was kind of sidetracked with graduating in the recession, trying to find jobs, things like that. And it wasn't till maybe about five years ago when um, I was working at this bar in Somerville and then uh, a friend was working at a pub uh, in Cambridge called The Druid. Uh, awesome Irish pub that is just classic great food good bartenders like the real deal and they had djs on thursdays for years and i guess their dj uh they wanted to move in a different direction and similar to those gigs years before my buddy's like oh jeff knows music he can dj and so that's when i got that opportunity to spin every week and thank god i had a very forgiving crowd at first because i really just had to learn on my feet and so uh, i bought a controller and you know immediately got hooked and within two months bought that first set of turntables and was just like yeah this is what i want to do nice man. and yeah so how are you getting gigs at that point at that point really that weekly gig at the druid is what just made everything happen really i you know i knew that i was on every week so i had to like think all week of how i'm gonna like get ready for that and work on it and then simultaneously uh, Brass Union Open, which is an uh, awesome like, bar lounge in Somerville. It used to be called Precinct uh, back in the day. And that was actually bringing me to Somerville first because it had live music, awesome stage. Uh, and I was actually booking bands uh, just because I you know, wanted to kind of be an independent concert promoter. A lot of my friends played in bands, so I thought I should be the person to organize it. So uh, at Precinct, they, same owners, decided to rebrand and flip it over to Brass Union, which was a DJ lounge concept. And they said, hey, you've been booking bands here. Why not DJs? And so then I started booking DJs before I was really, like, fully immersed. But now I had the outlet to meet other DJs and have a bartership. I actually could get them gigs. So that's where it started that's pretty slick, to man. really <laughs> happen. I didn't even realize that power at first. And the original DJs I got at Brass and, and still to this day were so good that I stayed out of it. I didn't book myself on the calendar for at least a few months, if not maybe even a year. Uh, because I saw what these guys were doing and girls, and they were just incredible. Um, guys like uh, DJ Axel Foley, shout out, uh, Leah V, uh, DJ ABD, Salim from Bad Rabbits. Um, they were some of the early DJs we had. And um, what I found was that they were all so willing to share. Like, I, I just sometimes would sit in the booth and watch what they were doing and just wanted to talk about DJing and stuff like that. So I just was a sponge and you know just tried to pick up as much as I could when I could and just kind of really uh surrounded myself with it so those two things the druid and brass union right around the same time I think gave me sort of um an into this community uh and the community kind of took me in which is really nice when did you realize you could quit like, uh that's a yeah so it would have been um summer 2016 uh I was uh still working uh, at, at Bull McCabe's in Somerville. And um, around then, um, I was also about two years into the Druid gig uh, and Brass Union was going. And then I started to like get 
you know, through the FaceTime I've had at the Druid, people would be like, oh, do you have a card? I got a party. Why don't you do this? And I was like, oh, cool. There's this whole other thing. You know, I can actually do fun parties. They don't have to be like dinner dances or things, you know, Sweet 16, stuff like that. So I'm like, wow, there's a whole, you know, if you network, there's a whole underbelly of gigs that exist. So that started to kind of spark my interest. And so it was right around uh, like August 2016 where I looked at what I had coming up in the, the fall. I was like, I think I can make this work. Like numbers wise, I crunched it. I'm like, it'll be a little bit of a hit. I'm gonna be a little lean for a little while. But I think if I really put myself fully into this, uh, there's something here. And uh, it took a little while, like, you know, and um, I, I was always thinking, I'm like, all right, maybe next month I'll go back to bartending. I don't know. And it just kept going. And now, you know, almost three years later, um, it's, it's growing every month, so. See, I think excited. I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm gonna go for the, and I, I like my job. I actually haven't had a really bad job in a while, but yeah. I still wanna go the, this shit is working, let's burn all these bridges and quit in front of everybody. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> Trust me, I mean, this place, like especially, I mean, uh, you know, the hats off to all my, you know, bartender friends and everything, like it is, physically and emotionally draining and as is DJing to some extent but like at least with bartending um, you know you'd, you'd get done it too and then you have to clean up after everybody and yeah. then and then you know it's like 3 a.m. you want you know are like all right I'll have a drink and then suddenly it's you know 530 like it's 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 tough so um, I know DJing is also nightlife and you know you're around a lot of those things but um, you know there were times where I literally was just like this is the last one I'm gonna walk out but you know, I think you got to do things right. Everyone wants to do that, like flip the table over and run out kind of thing. But yeah. I'm glad I didn't do that because, um, you know, Boston, whether it's, you know, on the bar industry or the nightlife industry, it's such a small town. And there are times that I've, you know, wanted to tell people to F off. And I'm just like, you know, you don't know who they know or right. when a gig's going to come back to you in two yeah. years. It's just like, yeah, so... Um, Really interesting. I've actually never had a nine to five when I think about it. I really? Mean, yeah. I mean, I've had full time jobs like, you know, managing bars, things like that. Um, but I've always just kind of been working on a lot of a lot of different things. Um, when I graduated, uh, it was right after the 2008 crash. OK. And I had a marketing degree, so that was pretty useless for a little while. <laughs> And I had a good bartending gig, and I liked music, so I just kind of rolled with it. <laughs> when I was uh, at the, uh, when I was at the, um, during the crash, I was mm -hmm. working at a FedEx Kinkos, which oh, is still wow. to this day the greatest job I've ever had in my entire really? life. I love working at it. I mean, it was a big wall, and then we all worked at, like on the machines in the back, so people couldn't come back. Um, but it was so dope. And that I remember during the crash, like I hadn't gone back to school yet, so I'm like, I don't get what the big deal is. Like I, I'm good. Like I got yeah. copies. Like I'm chilling. But yeah, that's like it was one of the, the shittier times, especially to come out of school. Yeah, because there's nothing more disillusioning than that. A hundred percent. I mean, and like, um, yeah, I went to to BC. Uh, shout outs there. And it, like when you went in, it was like, oh, this degree is so great. You're guaranteed a job starting at this salary in finance or marketing or whatever. And that was all BS. None of that happened. And I think, if anything, I, I'm happy I graduated when I did. It it made me really, you know, think on my feet, use some things I learned in college, use some things I learned on, you know, I almost said on the streets. I've never really, been, but like out in, you know, yeah, the, the city street, and whatnot. Yeah, no, no, the streets <laughs> of Chestnut Hill, like, yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, so um, 
I, uh, yeah, if anything, it made me kind of be a scrapper, you know, and, and work my way through. And I think that's helped me a lot through, you know, different parts of, uh, you know, my career, uh, you know, both in nightlife and as a DJ. So what's it like telling people you're a DJ? I feel like it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like there's certain professions you tell people and they're not, it just, yeah, that comes after that could. It's funny. I feel like times are changing. Like, you know, a few years ago, you know, if you told someone you were doing something like that, they'd have like an image of you, like, you know, either a, like, Oh, are you one of those hands in the air DJs that plays festivals? Like there's like, that's like, point zero 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 one percent of the yeah. dj population yeah. Yeah. or they think you're like you know wearing the sequins vest like you know making cheesy toast uh playing uh the cha-cha slide at a wedding uh but there's a lot of um dj opportunities in between those two spectrums so when i tell people i'm a dj i just kind of say you know you know family members people that don't get it um i think the immediate thing is that um I mean, first of all, actually, my entire family, you know, shouts to them. They completely support me through all this. So, uh, but I think a lot of people think like it's it's a party. It's not really a job. And I think my goal is to tell them, no, this is a job. This is a viable career. And um, you know, I look up to DJs that have bought houses, being a DJ, and you know, have supported families and stuff like that. So it really, um, it's a different path. I feel like, but it it has at least you know with people around me has definitely been you know something that's been taken positively so it's pretty cool how long did it take you to be being a standalone dj to knew, know it was permanent because i feel like that's when you're first question. out yeah. money issues things come up yeah. there's always that thing is it all the time with djing or is there a point where you felt like yeah there it'll get rough but i will be doing this for the foreseeable future interesting um yeah, I mean, at first six months, um, just like looking at stuff, um, you know, when I had a slow month, it it definitely raised some questions. But what's great, at least about booking certain gigs and whatnot, is like suddenly you get a wedding a year out and you take a deposit. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. Like, you know, so yeah, we're yeah. we're getting there. So I I I think I knew it was something that I was gonna go all in for at least three to five years. And I did set myself up uh, when I did leave bartending to know that I probably could, you know, on the trajectory I saw at least survive a couple of years without having to go back. Nice. Uh, I might like pick up things. I think I did pick up random bar shifts here and there, like just to have a little extra money to take a little pressure off. And I think that that helped just kind of having that outlet um, to, you know, like just know that, all right, if it's a slow month, um, I'll uh, have something to fall back on. But that being said, with like having a weekly at the Druid, um, having Brass Union and having a few other spots, I kind of knew that there was um, consistent kind of income coming. And then I just sort of tried to add to that. And so it was always adding, 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 which yeah. is good. So um, I'm lucky there, there hasn't been times where I've, like had to be like oh it's time to do something else um there have been opportunities that have come to me uh where i'm like oh i actually could add that and then hey that takes some pressure off djing and that's uh, what we talked earlier like uh for about the last year i've been a brand ambassador for uh stolen spirits uh awesome company out of chicago and that fits so well into what i'm doing with djing because i really do that on my own time and it's the same network that i'm already in uh, so it only, if anything, kind of expands my, um, 
think my brand and, and what I can bring to the table. Nice. And, See it still on hat. I'm an ambassador yeah. of it. I'm going to get one for Pittsburgh you. Pittsburgh Steelers. They don't nice. pay me, actually. Nice. I paid them. <laughs> like, uh, good amounts of money just to participate. Yeah. With some watch games. But that's dope, dude. No. I, I like uh, I like how you're merging different fields into it. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about the actual art, like outside of, well, let's talk about DJing itself. Yeah. Right? While you're out there, what's what are the tough things about DJing while you're actually DJing? Um, I think it's... It's sometimes that every gig's different, uh, but I feel like a DJ is hired by the business because the business trusts them to curate the night, to read the room, to see that there's a flow, to see you're not going to play Mobamba at you know 10:02, like right when the <laughs> right from yeah, the jump. Yeah, yeah. You got to like marinate and let people kind of come up and come down. So I think the challenge is sometimes when you're playing a very um, uh, tough crowd is that they want to hear all the hits right off the jump and you need to just kind of warm them up and whatnot. Yeah. So that's one thing and that's something that's just has taken experience. I was so daunted the first time like I had a full dance floor at like 10-15 in one of my early club nights and I just didn't know what to do. I'm like how do I hold them off? What do I do? What do I do? And I think that over the years I've gotten more comfortable in that position. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, and uh, How do you handle requests? Um, you know, I'm really nice, honestly. I they're usually very predictable. Uh, so what's the big track right now? Oh God, it's Old Town Road. The really that I know <laughs> exactly. We can get into that later. But you know, I look at that and it's um, uh, a challenge, like um, because I'm like I hate that song, but I don't hate the reaction the crowd has. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not there necessarily for me the whole time. There'll be little times where I can put myself in there. But at the end of the day, I'm getting hired to make sure the crowd has a good time. Right. So um, <laughs> another challenge is to, uh, you know, play music necessarily that I don't like. But, you know, if I'm there to play it. I like most of it. But request uh, your question, like, I, I try to be really nice and respectful. So if someone's like, hey, you know, you always know. They come up, they have that, like, little waddle, and they're just like... <laughs> And I'm like, they're like, do you take requests? And I'm like, maybe. I don't know. What do you want to hear? And uh, so I'll turn the booth volume down. I'll hear them out. And if it makes sense, I'll try to, you know, put it somewhere in the back of my brain. If it's something that, like, I'm like, oh, cool, I'm on that wavelength, I'll play it next sometimes. Yeah. And a lot of times people are smarter than you think. They actually can see where you're going, which is awesome. I love when that happens. If someone requests something and I'm like, wow, it's in the same key and BPM. Do you know music? Like, what's up? That, that like, gives me faith. Uh, but uh, a lot of times it is, like, Old Town Road or something. I had, like, 10 requests for that last night. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to kind of get there at some point. And yeah. most of the time people are respectful. Very rarely... Um, there's a difference between like a request and a demand, as I say. Like, right, yeah, and when someone yeah. comes up with a demand and is really rude, I'll be nice back once. Second time, I might give them a little attitude, but I'm just generally a nice person that doesn't like confrontation. So, you know, if someone's gonna request something, I'll, I'll, you know, at least hear them out. I might not play it, but if someone, it's funny, they always inevitably come up when I literally have like two records in the mix, I'm EQing, my headphones are on, heads down, I'm like trying to like nail that next drop. And that's when they come up and a lot of times I give them the old like, like one second. And I hate it like most of the time people get it, but like last night literally like some dude's like, bro, like on my shoulder and I'm like, oh, so close, just wanted to put the music down. I've seen a DJ do this and be like, don't touch me. <laughs> but 
you know, it just comes with the territory. So nice. it's not the worst. That's, that's the worst thing I got to deal with. Um, is it I'm hard okay. for you to enjoy going out now that you know how Ooh, to mix music? Are you just good like, question. Uh, should ask my wife. My wife that because like you're like, <laughs> hand, you're like that's the wrong BPMs. <laughs> like are you? Yeah, or I've been to numerous weddings. Uh, I mean, I'm in that age where all my friends are getting married. So like, I had six weddings last year, and I can't tell you like how many times someone's like, oh, you should go up and talk to the DJ. Like he's struggling. Like and I'm just like, no, I just want to have a drink and hang in the back. But inevitably, it's because what I do and what I hear. I'll be listening on the radio just to a song and be like, oh, cool, like I'd blend this out of this. Or I'll hear a song play out on the radio to like the third verse, and I'll be like, oh, that's what the third verse sounds like? That's a pretty good verse. I should play that. You know, so I'm always, anytime I'm consuming music, I think I'm, my work brain's still on to some extent. Uh, and I think that that's something that can be troubling. Like, I, I think I should go back to like the days when I used to listen to music just to listen to it and not like skim through the first like 20 seconds and be like, does that work? Does that not work? Maybe folder, that definite folder, whatever. And that's kind of how I, I, I sort a lot of music that I'm going to play. But I feel like I also should just like take an hour a day to go listen to like indie folk artists or things that like I also dig, you know? And, and nice. I think that like I need an outlet for my outlet almost like, you know, I, I work in music, but also I should look at music also as something I can, you know, just enjoy to enjoy. What's your highest high? Highest high as far as DJing? As far as DJing. What, what moment can you always look back on regardless of what happens in the future? And you're like, you know what? You know, there are so many. I feel like. So like, many. That, very modest. <laughs> I hate to say it, Exactly. <laughs> no, it's funny because like right when you think, I want to think my highest high is the next one as yeah. far as I go. And that, that's how I look at it. I so, think about that with drugs. You're like, I want to. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, all right. But no, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Did so, you have a particular party but, though where you were like, yo, that, exactly. that was. There are a few, for sure. Um, I'd say um, uh, the Jameson Bartender's Ball is a crazy party. I don't know if they still do it, but I did three of them right when I first start, started out. And the second one, this is maybe like three, four years ago, and it was right when I was thinking of going full-time, was at the Sinclair, uh, which is an awesome venue. Uh, you know, shout-outs to the Bowery and everyone that works there. But they had rented out the Sinclair, had a band, and then had me, like, go on after the band and throw a dance party. And I've never played on a sound system that big. I was scared. <laughs> like, like. but then once I got up there um, and heard how good music sounds on a sound system like that, I was like, this is actually easier. I can hear everything here. Yeah. There's space. I can hear space between the notes. You know, I'm up on a stage. No one's bothering me. I just, like, zoned out and did it. And I had like multiple friends after like text me, be like, that was incredible, you know, and also having 500 people dancing in front of you and hands nice. in the air and stuff like that gave me a lot of confidence. And if anything, that gig I knew was a big one. So I spent months like with, you know, whiteboard, like being like, you know, I don't ever really plan my sets and I still didn't really plan that one, but I at least planned like little pockets of things and like kind of organized tracks to be like, all right, if I get in trouble, I'll, um, you know, go in this direction or whatever. And it's funny, once you get into the gig and start reading the crowd, it's just like, you know, all that's out the window. But I felt I really tried to step it up because I knew on a sound system like that, there's no hiding. Like, you know, if like you're mixing something that's not right, it's it's gonna be jarring. So that was one. And then another one was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got hired to do the um, Boston Marathon Expo where like all the runners pick yeah, up the numbers yeah. and stuff. So I DJed all three days at the expo during the day. And just, like, to be able to work for people and play music that are, like, you know, 
aren't going out to get messed up. They're actually there, like, you know, doing healthy things and stuff like that. That was really cool. And just in general, I think that's kind of where I want to be in the industry is, is working, um, you know, maybe non-nightlife events, um, you know, sometimes corporate parties or sporting events, things like that. It, it just was great because I felt like I had turntables there, um, you know, and people just like saw me mixing on turntables and I think a lot of people haven't necessarily in that environment have seen that and so like got a lot of people like videoing asking questions how does this work and whatnot which usually at like you know at 12 30 when you're trying to make a club go crazy that those questions are annoying but during the day I was like this is cool I'm actually bringing this to a whole different world yeah. uh, so those are the type of gigs um, you know that I think moving forward I want to do and I think that um, DJing at the Boston Marathon Expo was certainly a huge high for me. Nice. Probably the highest of the high, and, and the most recent one. So, what's your what's your end goal? If there's not a major end goal, Ooh. at least what would be a good measure of success a few years out from now? That's a good question. Um, I always want to just be moving forward. That's how I've worked, you know, into DJing right now, and. The end goal might not necessarily be like, I'm going to be the biggest DJ producer in the world. I want to be, you know, happy DJing where I have a balance, you know, expressing myself in the gigs where I can play all the genres I want. And then also playing the gigs I know that, you know, are good to play because I'm a working DJ and I got to take them. Uh, and I think growing the DJ business to a point where um, I can always go back to it. Like it's it's just solid. Uh, I think that that that's something that's pretty cool. Uh, I want to actually figure out maybe some younger DJs that I can kind of you know work with and influence. I've had so many DJs older than me that have really taken me along. So I think that that's a good thing to you know give back to the Boston DJ. That'd be community. cool, man. That'd be nice. Uh, so that that's definitely yeah. one thing too. Um, but in general, I just kind of want to keep music, like moving. I think music's always been the trend on this, so what could it be next? Uh, my wife and I have talked about maybe eventually opening a, a restaurant or you know, a bar or something like that. I feel like I've always worked um, you know, in the, the bar and restaurant community and nightlife and stuff like that, and it's been very good to me, so that could be one way to give back. Um, speaking of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, I was listening to a podcast recently, uh, the Road Podcast, which is Reflections of a DJ, which is like kind of one of the most incredible resources for a DJ. It's for amazing DJs who are based in Vegas that interview all the best DJs around. And one of their interviews was um, this guy, DJ Nugget, uh, who's out of Pittsburgh, and he owns two bars there. Uh, and it was really cool to hear how he made the transition from, you know, being a DJ to being, a, you know, a, basically a, a venue owner. And um, it's something that, like, five, six years ago, I saw venue owners and was like, oh, God, that's something I'd never want to do. But now as I get more experience in the industry, I'm like, I actually could see myself doing something like that, you nice. know. So I think that that's one kind of goal that's far out. But I just always want to keep growing. I want to travel a little bit as a DJ, too. Uh, so as far as end game goes, I don't know. We'll, we'll ask me that in five years. We'll see. Well, but, you, got some, you got some options. Yeah, so totally. You got, you got yeah. Some, you got some variety, which is good. You got yeah, multiple, but, multiple milestones. Excuse me. Yeah, but I always just kind of want to be gaining, you know, experience, you know, network, contacts, things, do things like this. I mean, I yeah. mean this is awesome, you know, and, and whatnot. So 
Well, dude, I appreciate you, your time. Yeah, totally. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah totally. We'll yeah. have to check you out at a few events. Absolutely. Yeah. So every Thursday at the Druid, uh, 10 to 2, that's kind of like my home base. That starts my work week. So my work week's usually Thursday through Sunday, not like nine, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, like most people. But I, um, so I start there, and that's where I can play anything I'm vibing on. So uh, I, I always like, like I found like I found like crazy like Smokey Robinson remixes that are over like hip hop beats things like that and like that's where I play those, and then, um, you know Friday Saturday I'm in a lot of different bars and clubs um, you know I play at Good Life a lot Alibi um, you know other places like that so. Uh, all that's on my website, www.djjwall.com, Instagram, DJ um, underscore jwall. Uh, also the same on Twitter, too, and then Facebook. Yeah, who cares? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I send everything to Facebook, too, but social media is exhausting. But, it is. Uh, it's a lot of work. trying to grow with it. But, yeah, so uh, definitely uh, if you need a DJ or know a friend that needs a DJ, hit me up. Well, yeah, we'll make sure to look you up. Everyone look up DJ J. Wall. Awesome. Moonlighters Club, you can find us various places, but the website, moonlightersclub.com, will have all of our info. We have clips on YouTube, Instagram, Moonlighters Club, uh, and then you can find the podcast uh, anywhere you can find podcasts. So iTunes, Google Play, whatever you want to go through. Uh, but hopefully we can do more of this, man. This Hell is the yeah. first one I like this. I liked. I thought this was cool. This is awesome. Yeah. And I want to send you a mix too. I'll like put we'll together like a half an hour mix of just things I'm vibing on, so people can get a sense of kind of kind of what I'm all about. So that'd be cool, I'll, man. I'd I'll love to start a show yeah. with that. That'd be dope. Yeah, man. totally. Yeah, I'll send that to you very soon. We'll, we'll follow up on that. But well, everyone, thank you for your time. Jay thank, Wall, thank you. you for yeah. Yours, and yeah, we'll be seeing guys. you soon. Awesome. Cheers. Bye.